When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hello, Cheeseheads. Welcome to another episode of the Cheese Room Podcast. This is Franco, your host of the show today, and we're talking about a victory. Thankfully, feels like such a long time. Um, the regulars aren't here, uh, but stepping in all the way from Australia, it's Dave. How are you doing, Dave? I'm really well. Good morning, good evening, everyone. Great to talk about a victory. Let's get into it. Yeah, I mean, you, it's very early for you, um, it must be said, and you've probably only had a few hours sleep, but this time you didn't need to dream about a Spurs victory because you got one before bedtime, but did you maybe dream that there was maybe a few more people at the Enoch Out protest today? I, I have to say I was disappointed about that. There's a little job, little jab coming in early there for you, <laughs> and more, more, more than happy to talk about that later on if you want. No, this is apparently this is a, an interview technique. You unsettle your guest a little bit, so that's all I was trying to do. But anyway, also joining from up north, it's uh, Mr. Seb Short. How are you doing, Seb? I'm all right. You've unsettled me by saying I'm not a regular. That's very disappointing. <laughs> well, it's because you're not. You're on holiday all the time or watching bloody Married at First Sight. Oh, no, it's Strictly now. Married at First Sight is finished. I've watched the Strictly results show, so we're, we're, we're all good. And I won't spoil it for anyone else. <laughs> like, you ruined, uh, like you ruined the Line of Duty ending for me, Seb. Just oh, oh, don't remind me of that. Don't remind me of that. <laughs> right, let's uh, let's crack into the game. And as we always do, we'll look at the starting lineup. Who should I go to first? I'll go Dave. Dave, what did you think when you saw the lineup today? A few little changes in the lineup. No Delhi today and, and Don Bele being trusted more and more. Um, I, when I saw the lineup, I, I thought initially it was a 4 3 3, but I felt mm. as in the game and as it went on, it felt more like a 4 2 3 1. Yeah. Um, whatever that lo- the lineup was, the lineup that should have been in the North London derby. So I'm mm. much happier with it today. Yeah. And what did you think? So you happy with uh, how we lined up? Yeah, I I was. I agree with Dave that 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 should have been the lineup uh, the previous week. I, I did. I, I do disagree slightly on the formation because I thought it was more like a four three 
2-1. Um, that, that's how I saw it. Um, and yeah, I was. I hate, to, I hate saying this because I hate putting players down when they, they have been good for us, but I was pleased that Delhi wasn't in the lineup today. <laughs> well, it's a tough one for Delhi. He didn't even get on the pitch at all in the end. But, you know, he's, I, I thought being taken off midweek that that was because he was going to feature at the weekend. And he does seem to be um, one of Nuno's favourites, but he dropped entirely today. And if I'm going to argue, I'll argue with you, Seb, because I think it was a, a 4-2-3-1, if I'm honest. I thought Ndombele just wasn't asked to de- come back and defend quite as much. And Skip and Hoybier were just sitting there patrolling the middle, no? Uh, I guess you can argue that with the midfield. I was making the point more about um, Son and Lucas, who I felt mm. were a kind of two. And, and Lucas, I mean, whether it was a game plan or not, he didn't stay wide. He was actually very central, especially first half. So I kind yeah. of felt that they 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 were um, kind of backed up, if you like, behind Kane. So that that's that it was the it was the the two I was aiming at more than the than, than them being a front three, if you like. Yeah, they were coming in a bit, which yeah. HG, I'm sure if HG was here, he would be moaning about. But um, we got the win, so it doesn't really matter. But <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about how the game progressed. Then I thought from the start it looked like uh, it looked like we were going to be terrible and Villa were going to boss it. This is literally based on the first three or four minutes. So I was just there going, "Oh, come on, Spurs, please just pick it up." But I think we did, Dave. And I think as, as the half progressed, I thought we grew into it more and had more and more possession. Yeah, look, I, I agree. I mean, the first 10 minutes, I thought it was all Villa. There was a lot of pressure. Mm. I thought we looked very static, not a lot of movement off the um, off the ball. Um, I felt the turning point was about the 16th minute, and apologies, I am looking at my copious notes. I was going to say, that's very specific, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> at the 16th minute, a bird flew past my balcony outside, and um, Hoiberg did this little spin and turn, and you could hear the crowd get going. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then after that we got into it more, um, and I think that made it. But I, I agree with you. First, first ten to fifteen, I was getting worried. Give Villa their their due. They work hard, and I thought they squeezed us quite a bit throughout the game. They made it difficult for us, and and their passing was was a bit sharper than ours in those fifteen minutes. But I think we just we just grew into it, and we started to get more and more breaks. Uh, Seb, how did you see the first half out? Yeah, I, I agree with with the kind of slow start. But as Dave said, you know. They would have felt the pressure that you know Nuno would have felt the pressure um, mm. in the in the in the media all week. But one thing that, that was good, e- even in those first ten minutes, was I did feel like we had a decent enough hand handle on the midfield. And yeah. the game wore on. Um, I mean, I, I, I said on the Patreon chat at half time that was that was our best midfield display of the season. Mm. Um, it, it just we just started to get a real grip on it, and and I felt positionally. Um, Skip and Endembele and and Hoybier, partic- particularly Skip, um, he just gives a balance, and it's really what we missed in the in the North London derby. Um, and and even though in the in the derby, obviously the game had gone by half time, it was noticeable in the second half with Skip on that we had we had more of a balance. He just offers that kind of anchor to the to the rest of mid, the midfield and actually to the wide players as well. Yeah. Um, so that that was the that was the the kind of good point. Even when perhaps for for ten fifteen minutes in the in the, the opening of the first half we were under a little bit of pressure. He just balances everything out. Yeah, and I think it's worth pointing out they didn't actually have any shots in that time. Villa they had plenty of the ball and it was looking dangerous. But 
I guess the difference between this and the Arsenal game was was night and day, really, uh, Dave, because we just didn't allow them any opportunities and we weren't getting caught in the break. And I think today, the big thing is we got the balance right. We managed to get forward, but we also weren't left too exposed at the back. No, I agree. I mean, but I think like um, Skip and Hoiberg were kind of more horizontal. And what I mean by that is they were kind of playing alongside each other in the pivot, right? I don't, I struggle to understand this 4-3-3 and what the three midfielders are meant to do. Mm. Um, and, fr- and frankly, with the quality of centre-backs that we have, aside from Romero and maybe Roden, the, 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 you've got to have Skiff and Hoiberg in front of them to protect the centre-backs. And I think that made a difference today as well. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, and, and I just think as well, like that's pretty much it. It's just having players back. So even when the wing-backs were bombing on, um, there weren't these massive holes left there. And it's amazing how <laughs> much we were reliant on Skip, uh, based on what you said as well, Seb. Skip is a big influence in the squad these days. And he just seems to break up the play and, and, and be in those positions. Um, and then we got the goal. Were you surprised, Seb, with, when it fell to Hoybier that he managed to just definitely slot it in the bottom corner? It's a nice finish, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I can't say I was, I was surprised, really. I, I think he's... Um... You know, I've said it before on the pods. When when we saw him playing for Denmark, I think we all real in the Euros. I think we all realised he can play a bit further forward. Um, the goal against Wren proved that he's calm in front of goal, and he, he's he's done it again. It was a really nicely placed finish. Um, mm. I was watching. I don't know if it was Australian or, or Chinese stream. I have no idea. Um, but it was Lee Hendry uh, on commentary. Where, whatever I watch, whatever stream I watch, it's always a, co- a co-commentator who's played for the opposition. doesn't matter from what part of the world it is. There's always yeah. someone. And it was Lee Hendry today. But he was really eulogising about the finish and how calm it was. Um, and it really was. It was, a, it, was a, it was a really nicely worked goal in the build-up. And then he, he finished it with a plum. So fair play. Yeah, I think it was just a calmly slotted into the corner shot, which I wasn't expecting, if I'm honest. I was thinking he's probably going to blast it or smash it over or something like that. So it's good to see. Um, and I thought we've talked about Hoybier. He had a fairly decent game today. I thought he was lively amongst a few players. Um, and also with the assist for that goal, you could argue, was was Sun. Dave, what did you think about Sun today? I think he was arguably the best player on the pitch and he seemed to be involved in most of our bright attacks, didn't he? Uh, yeah, I thought he was one of he was a man of the match for us, and mm. um, I mean the goal was kind of like an old fashioned one too. Um, you know the interplay there between Hoiberg and Son, and, yeah. and what I really liked about Son, and I think it was after the second goal, and also Hoiberg towards the end, you could they were doing like fist pumps to the like they were really gajing up the crowd, trying to yeah. get them into it and stuff like yeah. that, and that's what I love to see from the passion and things like that. We won't see that from Kane ever again, but uh, from those two, from those two, it was great, and I, I really thought that was good. Sonny had a great game today. Yeah, I did have a moment where I thought oh, we could probably do a Lamella on the pitch at this point. Oh. <laughs> oh. No, in, it was in those first ten minutes. I think we just need somebody to just inject a bit of enthusiasm and a bit of pride for the shirt. But you're right; in the ends, better players than Lamella did it for us. There you go. Does that make you feel better? When, when are we going to have this kind of a cheese room edict that we don't ever mention Eric Lamella ever again? What's, what's the cut-off point, please? When he retires. When he retires, he's no longer a footballer. We'll stop talking about him. How's about that? One may argue he's never been a footballer. But let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, hopefully he'll come back and be a brilliant coach for us. Oh. <laughs> the return of Poch, Lamella can come and be his, uh, his, you know, his sidekick. Please. No. 
<laughs> right. Well, it wouldn't be Spurs if uh, we didn't give us something to panic about. And as much as our defence was really good today, I thought that the defending for their goal was it was all our fault, wasn't it, Seb? Um, I don't know what Romero was doing so far out, and then Dyer just doesn't defend, does he? It was yeah, it was it was a catalogue of errors, really. Um, look, I thought Dyer was was good today, but he he's so reliant on the, his partner being mm. if he's if, if his partner is caught out he's not the man to kind of salvage the situation that's the that's the thing he works well in tandem but it re- is really reliant on the other guy being really good um and it was probably Romero's sole mistake um I, I think throughout the entire game I thought he was superb actually today put his head on just about everything yeah. um but yeah it was the one time we got we got properly caught out um and, you know, Spurs being Spurs, it obviously results in a goal. The way I saw the goal, was that it was that mix-up in the midfield. Um, and then it was down our right-hand side. And I thought Emerson had a great game. But it was a couple of times down our right-hand side, he did get caught out. But Dyer yeah. did the classic thing. So he let Watkins in for the goal. And the goal yeah. goes in. The first thing he's done is sticks his hand up, looks to the linesman. I mean, the yeah. thing with Dyer, you said he needs people a good centre-half next to him. He needs a good centre half next to him, and he needs Skip and Hoiberg in front of him. So you know he's he's just not good enough. He does lots of stuff well, but then there's at least half of the side of defending which he's just he rubbish at, isn't it? Yeah, but that's the kind of important thing about defending. And that, <laughs> I mean, that's the, the thing with Dyer. You always think to yourself, 75, 80 minutes. Yeah, he's having a good game today. He's all right, and then he'll give away a penalty, or then he won't mark. And yeah. ultimately, I think that. Uh, we'll end up buying another centre-half. Or I quite like Tanganga or, or Roden to be given a go there. But but Dyer, I think, was at fault as well. Yeah, it's just frustrating for me because you, you see that he, he looks. But he, he's the sort of player that takes one look and then assumes that this person's not running at like full pace past him. So next time he looks, he's, he's in front of him. And, and you've got like, his first thing is it always stay goal side in those situations and he's not, loses his man on far too many occasions. So that was disappointing. But can I stand up for him a little bit, please? Yeah, no, no, go for it. I, I, look, it was a mistake, um, but the initial mistake was Romero's. And actually, I don't think Dyer has been terrible this season. I know a lot of people will, will, will disagree with me on that. Um, mm. But he, he gets his body in the way a lot. I think mm. a lot goes unnoticed. He To him and Romero today, there was a lot of balls going into the box, particularly in the first half. He dealt with everything, absolutely everything. Um, and I, I think Romero and Dyer is the partnership that I want to see at the moment in, in the big games. I'm not saying Roden can't come in. He's never not really put a foot wrong, um, but he has played against lesser opposition. At the moment, I think Romero and Dyer I, I, is what we need to go with. Okay, but there's a lot of shouting at the moment about three at the back, which might suit Dyer even more because he's got less responsibility on himself, no? Yeah, in a way, Dyer has kind of pigeonholed himself if we go back to the um the Mourinho era um when Dyer was struggling to get into the team um before COVID and then it's funny how we that's kind of like a definitive timeline now but um (laughs) but um and then when we came back um there was the this talk that he had basically approached Mourinho to say um I'm not a midfielder I I am capable of playing in that left-hand side uh, of the defence, which at the time was a problem area for us with yeah. um, after Vertonghen's departure. Um, and effectively, 
I think he's pigeonholed himself there because he probably is the best left-hand sided defender we've got, but he's not the best defender we've got. If that makes sense, um, you, know, it, it, you know, if you if you're lining them up, probably Romero, Roden, Sanchez are probably better than Dyer. But in terms of playing on the left hand side, like I know Roden's done it, but I, I would rather have Romero and and Dyer than Romero and Roden at this time because they are both so fresh to the to the team. So at the moment, you, you have to put Dyer in that in that place and I don't really feel he's let anyone down yes he's got a mistake in him but a lot of centre-halves have in in the league I've said this before and I I truly believe it I don't think defences are great I don't think the Premier League as a whole has great defences and if you do and we saw it when Spurs were um, were so good in 16-17 with the best defence you come very close to winning the league um, even today, I look uh, with uh, Liverpool, Manchester City. I look at the defenses. I think, really, you know, Van Dijk, best player in the world. Some people are saying mm. you've got to be joking. Mm. You know, uh, uh, the, the defenses in general, I don't think are great, and the attacking play is so good and so quick at the moment. Yeah. You know, you, you've got you are some player if you can be labelled a world class defender. Um, so from yeah, sorry to go back to my original point, R- Romero and Dyer. Um, going forward, I think is the uh, is 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 the partnership for the for the big matches. Okay, so moving on from that mistake, here, at least we rectified it relatively quickly. Uh, within a few minutes, we've gone up the other end, and Sun again involved. Dave, um, it's a nice move, wasn't it? Yeah, was the pass to Sun down the left hand side from Reggie? I thought it was. Wasn't? Yeah, was it? It was. Um, yeah, it was a great move, great pass by Reggie, which I knew at the time. Um, <laughs> and then and then Son, Son did some great movement, the crossover. And I, I think, I mean, are they saying it was an own goal? Because I thought Mora got the last touch. It looked like he did on the angle I saw, but I think they're arguing that Target basically got his toe on it. Right, okay. Well, I think that's a bit yeah. a bit unfair. And then, as I said just before in a pod, I, I, we scored the goal. And what I loved was Son straight away into the crowd, fist pumping and stuff like that. And that yeah. was great to see. And, you know, obviously, you know, it was one all. And I think we're going to be talking about Nuno a bit later. And uh, and one of our fellow cheeseheads was like lambasting Nuno for, for looking like lost in headlights on the side of the pitch because they've equalised. Um, mm. But, you know, straight away, turn it around and get the goal back. So I thought it was great. I think Nuno it just looks like that this season, doesn't he? He just he looks tense the entire time. I think he, he knows that it's a difficult task ahead of him. So he doesn't look chill at any, at any moment. But... I mean, if you watch again the Man Man City Liverpool game, Pep was absolutely spitting feathers the entirety of the match, and he was watching a much better performance. So, <laughs> you know, what can you say about it? Um, we had chances after that, Seb, to, to close out the game, didn't we? Kane went straight through in a really heavy touch, um, which was disappointing from him. He, he just doesn't still seem quite as sharp. I know he's got a hat trick in midweek, um, but in the league, he's, he's struggling a bit, isn't he? Yeah, and and I don't understand it. Um... Well, it's not that I don't understand it. There could be a multitude of reasons. Um, but the performance in the week would tell you that he still wants to score goals and do well and he's still trying his hardest. Yeah. Um, I have questioned that in the past, but um, I, I don't know. We know he starts seasons slowly, or historically he has. And mm. if you consider that he didn't have a pre-season, you know, we're in week seven or game day seven, as they, they call it around the world. I'm guessing that He's real realistically in game day two or three in terms of his fitness and match sharpness. So yeah. hopefully it will come. You know they were saying on the 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 coverage that I watched that 
you know, there's no doubt it'll come. He's still getting in the right positions. He's still doing the, the, the right things. So fingers crossed. But in answer to your question, what I liked was 2-1 up. What I, what was it? 70 minutes, something like that. We, 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 get, we went looking for that third goal. How many times, especially under the previous manager, have we kind of, you know, that's it. Shut up, shop, bring on a defensive player um, and it all goes to shit. So, you know, positives were, were that if any team was going to score again, it, it was definitely going to be us. Yeah, no, I think I'd agree with that. And it's worth pointing out that he, he may be a bit rusty, but that first goal he scored midweek was just a brilliant finish. It's like, the, it, I know it was a bit of a toe poke, but just like the technique involved in that was fantastic. And yeah. today it was just it was just a heavy touch. I think he, he did well to get onto it, but the next touch was heavy and the keeper came out. But also forget like just before that, he created that opportunity for Lo Celso. And Dave, that was a, a really nice little backheel flick wasn't it and I don't even know what Lo Celso was doing after the goal he scored in midweek he just smashes it in the roof of the net this one he tried to just like pass it to a defender I look, the, the backheel from Kane was great um, he also had a one-on-one where Martinez made a good save as well um, yeah. you know I, this thing about him not scoring in August I thought it ended a few seasons ago to be honest with you so yeah, yeah. I mean you can argue in a way that the way that we're going to play which is kind, we, we, we are kind of still playing counter-attacking kind of football with good mm. movement up front, it may not necessarily suit his game completely. I mean, you look at that City performance the first day of the season where the interchange between Mora, Bergwijn uh, and Son was great. Now, there's no way I'm saying that we've we got to leave on the bench someone who's, who's like a, a, a top goal scorer and also does a lot of assists. But I think that, you know, this is, I do think this will be his last season at the club. No, I do. And I, I think he's just not looking quite as sharp at the other things that he does. His passing and his technique and things like that are still brilliant, but yep. he, he doesn't look quite as um as quite as high level as he has done other seasons. I think there's no other way of saying it really. It's just some stuff doesn't come off for him, whilst other seasons when he's been on top form, it absolutely has. Um okay, let's look at some performances that were good today. What did you think, uh, Seb, of Royale today, uh, linking up with with his countrymen on that right side? Yeah. Very good, um, and, and yeah, I do think it makes a difference that he's he's got someone there that he's actually already spoken about that you know straight away he got on with and helped mm. introduce him to the club and things like that. Um, yeah, he he was good. Um, I, I've been impressed with him um, since he's come in because he's been asked to do a, a, a variety of roles. I think his first performance was he came on as attacking midfield against Wren, unless he played briefly before that. I can't quite remember. Um, but yeah, he he was he was very good today. Doesn't shirk a challenge. Aggressive, um, you know, looks forward on the ball. Um, so yeah, I I I liked him. You know, early days, but fingers crossed, um, he looks decent. Yeah, I think I'd agree. When he wasn't on the floor, having been kicked, he was um, generally quite involved in the match today, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, what have you got in your notes, Dave? Who do you think played well today? I think <laughs> I think mean, I mean with Royale, I I. Um... I think there's a couple of mistakes he made. There's a couple of attacks down his side that he should have done better on. But I, yeah. I, I but early doors, I, I really liked him. The way he went forward, he got into some crunching tackles, and 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 I think it felt like the first time he had a right-sided fullback who got forward and, and could put a cross in. So I thought he looked good. He looked promising. And his debut was against uh, Zahar at Palace, uh, yeah, where we, right. where yeah, which where you know Dyer went off injured, Tanganga got. Uh, sent off and then he had the sight of Ben Davis coming onto a pitch so he had to have a lot to deal with <laughs> at that point in time the traumatic debut yeah. yeah 
And uh, and obviously Dyer could have shouted Portuguese at him, um, but he wasn't yeah. there. He went off. So uh, he, this is his. Uh, no, I thought he had a good game today. So it looks promising. I do hope yeah. we can have a chat about Endon Bello. We well, by all means. I mean, I would say that I think Royal is is certainly an upgrade on Aurier, just because he doesn't seem to quite have those moments of lapses of concentration. He may not be perfect yet, but um, I think he's certainly an upgrade. Go on. What do you want to say about Endombele? Look, you know, I I've, I put into the chat about a week or so ago, somewhat provocatively, he does remind me a little bit of Ily Dimitrescu. It's all, and it's like a Catherine wheel firework that you put on at the end of the firework night, hoping, oh, look at these sparks and all that kind of thing, and then it just fades out, and that's it. So you got two yeah. metaphors for the price of one there. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I just ultimately, I just don't think he's good. I just don't think he's suited, and I don't think ultimately he's good enough for what we need to do. You know, mm. he, he got, okay, he did some good stuff today. He did some turns. He did some, you know, things like that. He had a chance, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, he still went off. He can't do 90 minutes. And I don't care now. It's a disgrace that he can't actually play a full 90 minutes and contribute to a game over a 90-minute period. So mm. it, the, the fact with him and what I and the team I picked for the North London derby, which he didn't do, was to have him at just behind the, you know, the 4 2 three, one. He doesn't yep. have any defensive responsibilities, which is what we had today, and he looks much better for it because he can't be bothered running back or can't can't make the effort. But you know, without wishing to sound like my hero Daniel Levy, if we can get him playing a few games before January, then hopefully someone will come in and say, "Oh, look, he's looking all right. We can get rid of him." Yeah, I still I, I think you're right in the sense that today in Dombello there's some flashes of greatness, but you could probably condense that down to about 45 seconds or something. Yeah. There was that one on the edge of the box where he turned, wasn't it, jinxed inside, and you thought if he banged it in the bottom corner at that point, you'd be like, wow, that was really good. He had a shot, it was on target. But it's, it's forgettable, isn't it? Because I just don't feel like for a player getting paid that much, being our star player, he doesn't influence games enough, does he, from the middle? And you look at someone like De Bruyne or someone like that. I know De Bruyne is like the extreme example, but that's what we were kind of expecting when we got it. And, he, and he's still not really hitting, hitting those heights. So I said, we're kind of we're in a bit of a conundrum because we're in, if we're going to start playing someone in that 10 role behind Kane, we've got Deli, Lo Celso and, and Dombele. And I don't think anyone's convinced by either three, are they particularly? Who's your money on at the moment? Uh, my That's a good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, I don't think... My money's on Endembele. Uh, uh, not that's not being controversial. I don't think it's that Endembele can't do ninety minutes. I think that it's circus seventy minutes. Would you rather have a fresh Lacelso or a knackered whatever Endembele? Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. other way round, if Lacelso starts comes seventy minutes, would you rather have a fresh Endembele or a tiring Lacelso? Yeah. That is the option because the way that our team plays, and we've covered it already, that Hoybier skip double pivot works. It works. It frees the wing back or the full backs up. It it gives the whoever is playing in that role more freedom. Uh I think for me it's one of Endembele and Lacelso for me, and I said it last season, Deli Ali slows the play. Just a little bit. I don't know what it is about him. It's just he's not the player that he was. And he can't, in the system that we play, he can't play the role where we've all kind of spoken about this for 
you know, it seems like years now of let's get him just behind Harry Kane and, he, you know, they've got such good link-up play. Well, we haven't seen that for the best part of two years. So mm. it's not like it's suddenly going to materialise. And, and I don't think it's possible within the shape that we play anyway. So, yeah, for me, it kind of doesn't matter. End Mbele for 70 minutes, tiring, bring Lo Celso on. Lo Celso for 70 minutes, bring End Mbele on. There might be matches where one of Skip or Hoybier uh, is taken off to with, with another one of those coming on if we're chasing a game or might even start if we're playing against a, a Norwich or a Burnley, I don't know. Um, but at the moment, it is, I think, Endembele or Lo Celso. Mm. I think I agree with those comments. You also got to remember that it's weird. Endembele and Lo Celso both play a sort of game where they get kicked a lot more than most players. Is that holding on to the ball, isn't it, and releasing it late and stuff like that? They seem to get kicked quite a lot. And once that's happened... They, they're both fairly lightweight in that sense. I think they just—they're not up for the fight for a full ninety minutes. They can't hack it. Look, I, I also provocatively said in the chat as well that I felt that I think the Celso is like an Argentinian Oivan Leonhardson, uh, which might be a bit <laughs> bit unfair. That's ridiculous. I know. But I was having—I was having a laugh, and it gets—and then you two laughed just then. I think so. That's all right. Yeah. Um, I laughed at the time as well, Dave. But I know what you're doing. <laughs> I thought you. I do, chortle. I love chortle or a guffaw is the happiest place, isn't it? Um, listen, I just do you, know, do you remember under AVB where we had uh, you had Sigurdsson, Holtby, and Dempsey, right? Mm. And it was like if you put a brown brown paper bag on their heads, you wouldn't know which one was on the pitch. And then one of them came on as a sub, and we all went, "Oh, he's looking good. He should start the next week." And they did, and they were crap. And then it just <laughs> rotation went round yeah. and round and round. Yeah. And I think I think it's a bit like this now, Delhi. Delhi's place in the team has been taken by Son, effectively, because it's a Son and Kane yeah. partnership, and Son is a better football player than Delhi. And Delhi, unfortunately, you know, do you remember Delhi destroyed uh, Sari Ball to start with at Wembley because Poch put him on, uh, was it Jorginho? And he had a great game, and he just basically, and, that, and he broke that down, and that was great. But in the last two, two and a half years, we've all been waiting for Delhi, and I think, again, we get a decent, well, decent, get 20 to, 20, 20 to 30 million offer on him in the summer. He can go. He's, his game, he's not suited to play that way. The only thing he can do is running into the box and scoring goals. And I say the only thing, but that he was great for a couple of seasons doing that. But I'm yeah. afraid the ship has sailed for Delhi. And we're all psychologically, I think, pretty sad about that in terms of what we've seen and what we want. But I think mm. we have to make that view now. And I'm, I'm afraid to say that there's a sell-so. You know, a lot of people doing the I told you so dance about Endombele, right? But I think to a person, when we signed him, which was early in that window and we did the business early, we were all excited. He played well for Leon against City in the Champions League. We thought that this is the guy who was going to come in and was meant to be the Dembele replacement. And it's just not worked out. With Lo Celso, I was like, well, he wasn't much of a success at PSG. He went out on loan, hadn't really heard of him that much. And, you know, apart from that turn he did and that pass he did at Southampton, I think he's been way too inconsistent and he's been way he's injury prone as well. So ultimately, I wouldn't mind seeing the back of all three of them at some point. Yeah, I think, again, watching Man City today and you just watch Bernardo Silva, I think they're very, you know, we're expecting to do very similar things. And you just watch Bernardo Silva, he's just levels above, so much more agile and quick and his passing's better. Yep. It's a it's a real shame because I, I thought that Lo Celso was going to kick on and then you kind of make excuses, like you said, it's, it's like he's got injuries, he's not been in the team, he's not got full fitness. But there comes a point where you just think, when is he actually going to make that impact? 
Um, we've spent a lot of money on him, so it's not one of those where we're not going to want to get rid of him unless we unless we get decent money back, I suppose. But mm. okay, let's move on to the next point, which is the the Nuno out situation. I mean, today's performance, if anything should placate a lot of fans, I would think, and give them a bit more hope. We had 17 shots today. That was a big talking point is about um, how poor we've been going forward, the lack of opportunities we've created, etc. 17 shots today, highest in the league this season. Do you think, Seb, that today's game is going to take a bit of pressure off him? Yeah, definitely. Because I think if you lose and you go into a national... In- Sorry, get my words right. Into an international break. It's the red wine kicking in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then, yeah, that's a long time to sit on that defeat, you know, to uh, to a Villa team who were decent, you know, beat Man United away. But still, yeah. it's Aston Villa. It's another home loss. Um, but yeah, it has taken a bit of pressure on it off him because if you look at it realistically, at home, we've only been second best, I would argue, for one half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was an argument to be made, and look, maybe with your positive specs on that that. Against City, we we were better. Against Watford, we were better. Um, obviously, we the first half against Chelsea, everyone was was okay with that. It's the second half where it fell apart, and then yeah. today against Villa. So you have to keep those home supporters happy. They are the 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 um, the vocal uh, ones, if you like, and they're rightly so. They're the ones that pay 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 the money and support in the literal sense of the word the club. Yeah. Look, like I say, that is positive specs, but yeah, a win. Uh, eighth in the table, four points off the top, two points off the top four. That that there's there's no reason for for a Nuno out. Um, maybe there's reason for for Levy out, but um, we, yeah, I'm sure Dave will come on to that. Come on then, Dave. There's a few things to talk about here because we've got the international break coming up, uh, two weeks off before Newcastle, but a chance to watch some American football at the new stadium. And obviously the big protest was apparently going to be planned for either the first or the second NFL game, try and send a message to our American sponsors, etc. But there was also a protest planned for today. It looked like about 15 people turned up with the Enoch Out poster outside. Um, <laughs> what do you think about this movement? Do we think we're going to get a big one for the NFL games? You've put out like three fishing rods there for me, haven't you? Um, can we can we talk about Nuno first? I'll get on to it. Honestly, I'm not ducking the question. You're you're a very good interviewer, Franco. You've got me, but I'd like to talk about <laughs> Nuno for a second. So with Nuno, right? Let's again, let's not rewrite history here. At the time, everyone had turned us down or whatever, right? So who were we? Who were the choices then? We had Nuno versus Fonseca versus Catuso. Yeah? yeah, that's where, where we were in the process. Okay, Fonseca uh, turned up to a press conference dressed as Zorro. I don't want that as a manager. Okay, <laughs> just saying. Um, and and Fonseca's given an interview where he said Hitchin and Levy uh, were the ones who were interested in him, and then Paratici came along, um, and then Nuno was appointed. And or, and you also had Catuso, whose uh, political views are possibly more aligned with our former Italian dictators. Okay, so <laughs> we don't want him either. So that so yeah. we've got Nuno, right? And the cards he's been played are the whole Harry Kane situation, which I thought he's handled perfectly from start to finish. Okay, mm. he's been left with an extreme. I, I don't care what people say. He's been left with a very thin squad, right? You got Son on Son and Kane are on that pitch most of the time. Son and Kane came on for the Europa, and uh, we needed Son and Kane to be a second string Wolves team in the League Cup. Okay, we haven't got a second striker, um, and we haven't, you know, and and with the midfield, as I've said, we could easily ship out all three of them. We needed another midfield player who does something different. 
We always yep. do our business late. He's hardly had many training sessions, and that is where we're all led to believe he really comes into his own in that. So let's say we sack him. Who would we have got in? Ryan Mason again. I mean, he's matured. He's now in his 30s. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know he's, he's, he's been on holiday with the Dyer and Kane families, which is such a great message to give out if you're a member of the coaching staff. <laughs> so yep. that's it. Do you want me to go on about this protest and Enoch out now? I uh, so obviously I'm a bit more on the on the um, YouTube channel and things like that. Well, my view is this, right? I think Enoch are shocking owners for this club, and uh, and I've discussed this. We I was on after Zagreb uh, and all that kind of stuff. So this well documented. I want them to go. The general argument that's pushed back to to me, and generally speaking, well, if we don't have Enoch, who are we going to get? And uh, you know, I don't hang out with venture capitalists north of the bridge in Sydney. I don't hang out with people like that. <laughs> don't hang out with anyone at the moment unless within five kilometres of my home. So <laughs> I just think that kind of argument is a bit of a nonsense to say, if I don't like something and I want something else to come in, so what's the alternative? If you don't have an alternative, then the argument's not valid. I don't think mm. they've been very good owners for the club. The managerial appointments are shocking. The directors of football appointments are shocking. And Paratici the jury's still out. You've got to see how his players that he buys over the next two, three windows bed in mm. and are successful in the team. That is his remit, okay? So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, from what the guys send me and, and things like that, there's a lot of vitriol on Twitter and things like that. You're either pro-Enic or you're anti-Enic. And I think it's a kind of reflection of society today that, you know, you're either for Brexit or against Brexit. You're for... Um, married at first sight or you're against strictly all <laughs> that right it's like it's all that and i think that you know but dave dave yeah, i'm, not, I'm not i'm not Street. for enic or anti-enic I, I i have what i believe to be a much more realistic view yeah. which is that that enic have made our club pretty much unpurchasable that's my view Okay. <laughs> there is no re- it, in two regards A it would cost a lot of money and B why would Enoch sell that's mm. that, okay I, that, that's that's the situation so all these protests it's not even that I agree with them or don't agree with them they are absolutely pointless there is no pointless and I get where, when people's argument or, or I understand people's argument is well that doesn't mean we shouldn't protest well kind of because if you're going to protest you have to have to do it in the understanding that it will have some effect. Otherwise it, otherwise, it really is pointless. And I can tell you now, there is no effect uh, in terms of Enoch's board. You know, Daniel Levy hasn't gone home, home tonight worried, right? Far from it. He wouldn't have even scratched the surface of his bald head, right? <laughs> there, there's... It, it, it is just, it is ridiculous. That club now, the latest figures I think show that it would be valued at, at over 2.5 billion. Okay. You are asking, if you, if you want someone to come in and buy that, you are asking for a nation state to buy that club. That is all you can get. Now, we can look at the Manchester Cities and the Paris Saint-Germain's uh, and the, the Chelsea's with the oligarchs uh, and all this. That is what you're asking for. And yes, okay, they have the trophies. Right. But underneath that, underneath these super elite, super powerful nation state clubs are clubs like us. Hmm. OK, that is that 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 is the, the long and short of it. Clubs who are trying to compete, trying to do their best, making mistakes, making recruitment mistakes, um, spending money where perhaps they could have spent it better. 
all of those underneath those super elite clubs, and I'll probably take a Bayern Munich and a Juventus out, out of it, but underneath those four or five super elite clubs, everyone else is trying to compete. And sometimes, under, for instance, under Pochettino, you get it right. Sometimes you get it terribly wrong. And if you overspend or basically make continual wrong decisions, like a Leeds did back in the day, or a Nottingham Forest, or a Sheffield Wednesday, or any of those clubs that going back under Enoch's tenure, we could have been, that's what we could have been. That is really, honestly, what we could have been. So it's not even that I agree or disagree. It's just that it's absolutely pointless. Look, it's like bullseye. Look what you could have been. We could have been absolute. We could have been in the championship. And let's not make any bones about that. With bad owners, that can happen. Enoch are not bad owners. They're doing everything they can within a, within a budget that you might disagree with. You might think that they should put 200 million in because Joe Lewis has got it or, or whatever. And there are times when I felt that myself. But actually, unless you were a nation state, you can't compete. So why would you try? There you go. Back to you, Dave. No, because we're now, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. We've done all this. Look, we all know the arguments against Levy, against Enoch. I think my point about today, I've got no problem with the protests. I was quite looking forward to seeing it, to be honest. My problem is, is that you've got a load of people who moan about how terrible the club are, and then that's their protest. If you're going to moan about someone's inadequacies and ineptitude at doing stuff, then you need to do what you're going to do well. And I just thought that the fact that 20, 30 people turned up for it was rubbish. The last one was all right, but I mean, Christ, that was organised by the We Are Tottenham TV boys. And they, you know, they, they organised media to come down. They, they got all their mates to come down as well. So it's just, they had a good number, but I just think... Then they go and go and sit on their £65 seat and spend 30 quid at the bar and then go in the club shop like, you're telling me none of them then went into the ground? Well, I'd assume they do. But I think the indictment is is that there was 60,000 people there today and only 30 people could be bothered to go and stand with a load of other people. It's not even difficult to do what they were doing. It's not going to take anything away from you. It's 15 minutes out of your day when you're there. But they're expecting a load of people and a really good turnout for the NFL game where people have got to turn up on a Sunday in Tottenham Enoch, Tottenham, whatever, is far bigger than any of us. If 50,000, 60,000 people don't turn up, trust me, there are another 50,000 to 60,000 people who will. We are replaceable. We're not important. And we, we need to understand that. It's horrible. It's not right. It's why people like my, my dad stopped going years ago because he didn't like the money involved in it, right? He's from, you know, started going in the 50s. Uh, you know, it was climb over the gates and get in. You know, that's that, that that that's his day. And it's obviously a million miles from that now. But don't think for a second that if you don't go, someone won't snap up your place because they will. There'll be for, uh, tourists from Korea or... Yeah, I agree with that to a certain extent, Seb. But today there was people, loads of tickets available on the exchange. Loads of people that couldn't make it, couldn't get rid of their ticket for love nor money. And I think... Was there still 50,000 people plus in the stadium? Yeah, but that's yeah. that's not really the point, is it? If you if you've got a stadium, you want to be able to, you, you want to be able to fill it every week. But to Enoch, it is. To Enoch, it is. Yeah, but in White Hart Lane would sell out regardless. I think, like in fifteen years, I don't think I 30, ever went to a game. Thirty-three thousand. No, that was in the final season. It was thirty-six. Well, it, well it, you know what I'm saying. If there was thirty-six thousand people in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, if you want to, if you want to call it that, then then maybe we'd, we'd notice, maybe we'd be a bit concerned. But there will be 50,000 people plus. Mm. So even on a bad week, even on a bad Premier League week, 
Levy or Enoch are getting 14, 15, 16,000 more people in than they were three years ago. No, agreed. Um, it'd be interesting to see where these protests take place over the uh, American football weekends because that's the thing we find, isn't it, Dave, that when there's no football on and the papers haven't got anything to print about, that they'll definitely pick up on that story. So it makes sense to me why they would decide to do the protest next weekend. Yeah, look, I mean, I know, I know we're having a bit of a laugh about this as 25 people taken up, but take, only turned up or whatever it was. I, I take my hat off to those people because they believe in something and they did something yeah, about yeah. it. And I, think, and I think in life... You know, you kind of face with three options here. One is you think Enoch are doing a good job, etc., and that's a perfectly valid view, and that's fine. Um, you think Enoch are not doing a great job, but you don't do anything about it, but maybe you do something on a keyboard, and that's about it. And then there's a third group of people who are who want to do something about it, and I, and I've got total respect for them on that. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of the supporters trust in terms of what they're doing and the kind of dialogue they're trying to have with the club. But for other people, they feel that's not radical enough and give them abuse online, which I think is disgrace. Yeah. And the final point is, is that, that that we are Tottenham TV thing organised at the end of last season. Um, I thought it was a shambles and I thought it was actually a disgrace that you start singing songs about, we'll have a party when Daniel Levy mm. dies. That's just ridiculous. And I, and I think that I thought that was a shambles uh, at the end of last season. Just people turning up, having a drink, singing songs about Sissoko and Daniel Levy. That's not a valid protest. So I've no. got more respect for the 25 people today than the, the protest at the end of the last season. My comments would be, definitely, if you, if you want this movement to succeed, you need to look out for who's leading it and you need to look out for who the vocal voices are. You need people that are credible and you need yep. them to be well organised and to do this well. Yep. Work with the trusts. Like You may not think that they've done a particularly great job in certain areas, but they are proper, capable people. Yes. Um, and they've been doing it for a long time. They're experienced. They know what they're talking about. <sighs> right. That's that done. That's <laughs> <laughs> interesting, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Seb, I know you're drinking wine, so I don't want it to get too rowdy. <laughs> right. Uh, let me just mention football prize this week. There's no Spurs prize because the uh, Jimmy Greaves um, prize has sold out. So popular that it was, um, which is hardly surprising for such a Spurs legend. But there are still some prizes. I think there's a cash prize. And Seb, you know, there's like some computer games or something there's a console I think yeah, there's win. loads they've got xboxes like you say cash prizes there, there, there's everything and there will be a tottenham prize going live again tomorrow night i don't know what that is at the moment but it tends to be about seven o'clock uk time uh footballprizes.co.uk and don't forget with the discount code 10 cheese you get a 10 percent discount on all of the uh prizes on all of the ticket prizes so get on there um look out for youtube this week caller and the gang are you back tomorrow dave are you doing that uh i might do the uh the shan not the sean show as i incorrectly <laughs> call her and apologies for that um, but but hopefully uh you might get caller on on monday and, and maybe steve will be back on so they can talk about hanging out with the cast of uh, heidi high and les dennis in the hospitality area so that'd be good <laughs> sort of stuff so yeah look out for the youtube this week shan's show on wednesday as well and then um i guess there probably won't be a preview because there's nothing that we can maybe we'll do an nfl preview because uh, hg loves it so much um, anyway, Dave, thanks ever so much for getting up so early to come and talk to us about Spurs. An absolute pleasure and great to have a chat with you guys as well. It's been a too long. Yeah, top stuff. And Seb, um, crack on with demolishing the rest of that bottle of red wine, mate. It's your, mate, it, it has most of it has gone. So sorry if I rambled, but um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> no problems. Don't forget to subscribe to your podcast provider and sign up to all of our socials. And until next time, come on, you Spurs.
Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.